Welcome back for another episode here on the show, Wave On. I'm Misty, the host here in Sylvan Lake, Michigan. Uh, and I uh, got the code LUNA10 before we dive into the podca- podcast. Go to lunamoonsupyoga.com. We have a retail page there and you can use your code LUNA10. Save a little bit of money, find some merch, maybe some eco lip balm, SPF 20 for the paddleboard season coming up. Uh, play safely in the sun, folks. And uh, I'm Misty again here, and I have Michael coming up on the line. Michael, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here, coming on and uh, sharing your uh, your passion and uh, stories for paddleboarding. It's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, so you're in Minnesota. I'm going to have to scratch off Minnesota on the map back here behind me. Is one of my uh, fellow podcast guests. Okay. Yeah. So um, you got your blog and you've been highlighting some um, paddlers out there around the world, not just in the Midwest. And uh, we kind of share a lot in common, not just paddleboarding, but Minnesota and Michigan, pretty uh, similar with all the lakes and even uh, Lake Superior, you know, touch, touch point for you in Minnesota up there up north. But uh, yeah, you're Michael in, in Minnesota and I'm Misty in Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I just can't do, you know, I'm from here or there or there. <laughs> right, that, that mitten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. How did you get started in paddleboarding? Well, it's kind of a long story. But we got time, right? We got time. So, we just started. Um, so I'm married. Uh, my wife and I got pitched in 2015, and we went to Hawaii for a honeymoon. The island was Ahu, and we went to Waikiki Beach, essentially. And we were kind of looking for stuff to do, you know, we're, we have nothing planned. So we went to the zoo one day, and we went to uh, Pearl Harbor one day, and, you know, we were kind of running out of stuff to do. Well, here's this beach. Well, I'm not really a crowd type, right? Uh, super into mass amount of people all around me. Um, so the beach was there, but it was always crowded. So my wife was like, well, let's rent those paddleboards and then we can get out in the water. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like a decent idea. So, uh, we rent these monstrosities that were paddleboards. Like, I'd have to go back and look again, but in my mind, they were like at least 20 feet long. They probably weren't that long, but they were super big and they were super heavy. Yeah. So we both had to drag these like a stupid distance. It was like 200 yards or something like that to get to the beach to where we needed to go out. We finally get these 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 hogs into the water, <laughs> and they said, you know, don't start, don't stand up until you get past the, the the wake or whatever. And you know, immediately I start paddling, and like some dude just kind of chilling in the water is like, your paddles backwards. And I'm like, oh, haha. I know, and I turn it around, and just off I go, and, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing, neither does my wife, she's <laughs> out ahead of me, so we get to where we can, like, stand up, right, mm-hmm. we're like, okay, let's start standing up, and, you know, we'll be like that person over there that's, like, just cruising along, and, yeah, we couldn't stand, we tried for at least 20 minutes to stand, and just repeatedly got dumped into the water, you know, because paddleboarding in that ocean is no joke. Right. Um, especially your first time. And it was our first time. And yeah, we got our asses handed to us. Uh, it was ugly. I, I'm sure it was a spectacle, you know, for beachgoers to see, you know, these two goofuses <laughs> falling off their paddleboard for 30 minutes. But, you know, we had this rental for like an hour and we, we threw in the towel like you know, 30 minutes in. And like, Screw this. This is this sucked. Like, <laughs> The only redeeming part of it was like on the way back, I caught a wave. So, like, it, it like brought me into the shore. I'm like, oh, this is so fun. But then there was like a surfer coming in. And I was like, I had no idea how to steer the paddleboard. So, I thought I was going to take him up. Luckily, <laughs> I just missed him. Um, so, he was probably yeah, like, get out of my way. <laughs> right. Exactly. Get out of the way. I can't, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so, we, we bring our paddleboards back. It was a massive failure. And, you know, uh, that was 2015, so that was, you know, my one and done paddleboarding experience, so which I thought, and then I kind of uh, 
So, you know, going in between colleges and stuff like that, I would work out uh, on as a general laborer um, doing pipeline type work um, in the summers, you know, in between the semesters. And I was working for my dad, who's always a foreigner. And in 2016, I found myself working for him, and I was out in Illinois. Um, and, you know, we're working 10-hour days, six days a week. There's really nothing to do on Sundays. You know, we're living out of a hotel. So I thought, well, let's try paddleboarding again. You know, it was, I, don't, I don't like to fail at things. So obviously it was a massive failure, um, paddleboarding in Hawaii, uh, rightfully so. Right. Um, but I was like, I kind of want to try it again and give it a go. You know, I think that it might be a different experience out on the lake versus out on the ocean with the waves. And sure. So I just went on Amazon and bought, you know, a paddleboard. And I was like, I'm going to buy a super cheap one. So I bought this one that was 600 bucks. Well, it turned out it was a, um, the brand name was Isle. And you'll see that paddleboard actually a lot on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's the blue one. Yep. So I bought that in 2016 and paddleboarded out on, the, on one of the local lakes there in Illinois. And it was uh, a night and day experience, honestly. I was able to stand right away. I was able to paddle on the shoreline and in, and I was like, oh my God, this is great. So that's kind of where, you know, my obsession with paddleboarding started to take off. The following year, I bought my wife her paddleboard for her birthday. And then we just kind of started being casual paddleboarders, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's... The Hawaii story, it, it, I feel like that happens a lot of times, not just in the ocean, but any rental company, they just kind of like send you on your way and expect you to. They... Oh, yeah. No, no directions, no insight of what to do. It was just like when we brought them back, the one person said, oh, I saw you caught a wave. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> <thanks>. <laughs> yeah, is it, a, is it a joke for them to watch people like go out it there? Has to be. They it's just got to be there form of entertainment well here's these noobs right oh my gosh (laughs) yeah it's like they just rent it and that's it you're on your own Mm -hmm. good for you though though for i mean you know trying it out and being open-minded for the second time because i'm sure yeah that's difficult to is that being your first experience and then um you know just at least giving it the chance of being a, a lake versus ocean Right. And yeah, I felt like I had to, it was going to be an investment because there was really no rental companies and really paddleboarding has kind of started to take off, I feel, in the past couple of years. But back yeah. in the you know, 2010s, it was kind of uncommon to see a paddleboard rental, especially here in the Midwest. Same. Yeah, here. Yeah. Yep. Totally. So, so I pretty much had to buy one. I didn't want to you know, buy a junker from Walmart or something like that. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> How did you, um, did you do any research with, with the boards or? I knew kind of to an extent, look, not, I mean, we're going back you know, five years here, so it's fuzzy, but I knew I wanted, I like the aspect of the portability of an importable. So that's the road I wanted to take because I didn't want to, I had a little Hyundai Elantra at the time. So it was like, I couldn't really throw a big cardboard on top of my roof and go. Right. I had to have something transportable, so. That's how I made my decision to go with inflatable, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, um, the brand, how did you find Isle? I just went on Amazon, typed inflatable paddleboard, and went in the range of like 600 to 700 bucks, essentially. And that's, Isle was like one of the only ones at the time. Yeah. And I, I don't even think they're on Amazon anymore. I think they're big now, so it's like, I don't even think they were that big back then. So, I don't know. It was maybe one of their prototypes or something. Was mm-hmm. Caught it at like the right time. They have a standard, you know, versions of their paddleboards now that are consistent. Whereas, you know, as the years have gone, it's like a different model every year. So it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to keep track of them. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, hard business to be in, you know, do a uh, paddleboard uh, outfitter like that. Right. <clears throat> Especially right now. Um. But well, I feel like no, actually, it's the opposite. Like, I, I have a board on backward right now, so it's like, you? yeah, it's and another company I was trying to work with. They're like, yeah, it's been a weird year, it's like everything's sold out, and it's ridiculously fast fashion. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, theorizing about it, you know, I've talked to multiple people about it. It's pretty much because of the pandemic. You can't go anywhere. So people are looking to get outside and finding you know, recreational activity. And paddleboarding is kind of a good idea. So companies yeah. are finding themselves, you know, breaking in the profits, I feel. Right. This year. You know, I'm gonna, I, I expect that to start going down here as you know, things start up. Yeah. There's been a huge surplus in paddleboarding in the past year or two. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that uh, what happens. I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, so um, on your blog, you have you highlight some paddleboarders and stuff, and um, I think you had a, a pretty cool story that I was actually reading about. Um, well, it might be <laughs> might be more of, a, of a something funny, but uh, you you shared something about how you fell and I found it. I actually, I found it unique and especially if, um, someone is new to paddleboarding and they fall and they didn't have an instruction, like something, you know, some scenario like in Hawaii for you, um, you know, how do they get back on their board? Well, you, you just told a whole story of what happened to you and like how you approached getting it back on the lake. Right on the on the paddleboard in the middle of the lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was actually in Illinois, um, and it only had to have been like you know four or five times out since I got the wild paddleboard off Amazon that that happened. And basically, I'm an idiot, and you know went out there in the morning, you know, still a little bit of alcohol you know, running through my system, so my balance is not working. So, um, yeah. Uh, in Hawaii, it was a different thing. I don't know. I feel like the boards were easier to get back on. You could just use your upper body strength right at, you know, the edge of the board, essentially, because it's not tipping because it's so damn heavy. Well, yeah. inflatables are different, different experience, totally. So, you know, trying that same technique, well, the board's doing that. It's like, how do I get back on? So I grab the handle and then start tipping that. And it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. So am I going to die? <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a learning curve. I feel like you definitely need to kind of like investigate all scenarios before you start because it can make for a dangerous situation. There was a possibility I could have drowned, and fortunately that never came to fruition. But like it's it's always like a humbling experience where you know you. You get thrown into situations like that, and you don't know what you're doing. I feel like it's also important to kind of, you know, make that effort to learn, you know, these techniques. Because following up your board is, it's going to happen. You know, you're not perfect. Okay. I, I find myself falling off my board. I don't know. I, I'd like to say less than I want, but it, it's probably like three or four times a year where I'll just accidentally fall off my board. You know, but I'm prepared for it. I know. At this point, what I'm doing, you're just starting out. I feel like it's, it's, you gotta start. You know, start like Things can go bad, you know, in a heartbeat. right? Yeah, I uh, lesson, um, you know, I because I teach, I always uh harp on getting a lesson, even if it's just a even if it's a private lesson, you know, and you you get the board and hopefully you could find some sort of research if you can't get a lesson on on what to do and uh you know we're kind of we're kind of giving some information out there for folks to uh be able to see some things if they're really wanting to get into paddleboarding mm-hmm. but um yeah that that's two lessons on your your story i found it kind of unique that uh like you said <laughs> maybe a little under the influence and uh you know, then reaching for the handle. And like you said, those board types, there's, there's many different types of board types of shapes, the weight, everything. So inflatable, a little bit lighter. Yeah. It's easier like to flip up and, um, you know, you're not using like your body weight to get all the way up across the board before it flips, you know? Mm -hmm. So just like little things like that, that, um, you know, a lot of people don't really think about if they're a beginner, Right, and I actually like the board I'm talking about. That's on um, uh, back order. It's a it's a like a bamboo epoxy type board, so it's not inflatable. So I'm gonna have to learn how to you know, get back up on that thing too. Just so I 
it's instinct at that point where I can just do that. You know, if I fall off on the play, I know how to get back on it, but I'm not just going to assume that I know how to get back on this board that I've never fallen off, you know? So it's just stuff like that. Yeah. What kind of board is it? It's Paddle North. So I recently just upgraded um, myself and my wife's boards last February. I got them plated already, but I'm just waiting on the hard board because, like I said, you know, things are on back order. It's a weird year for paddle boarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Well, that'll be cool. That'll be fun fun stuff for the summertime. Yeah, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. You, you have tons of lakes by you just like I do. <laughs> Absolutely. There's so much to take advantage of, and there's not enough time. Which one is your favorite? Uh, it's hard to say. Obviously, I love going up. If you see my Instagram posts, I love going up to uh, Lake Superior. There's a uh, place called uh, Wisconsin Point, which is, you know, in Wisconsin. But it's just like, so it's on the very tip of Lake Superior where it starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, where Duluth and the town Superior meet, uh, you know, it's a shipping town, so all those big great ships that you see out on the Great Lakes. That's, you know, one of their stops where they fill up on product and go out of there. But in any case, there's a sandbar that stretches from, you know, Superior, and it goes like three miles down. It's very shallow. It's like three three to four feet for, you know, 100 yards out, which is nothing but sand. And I love it. I love going there. It's just like, it's kind of like San Juan, really, but in the Midwest. And Michigan has a lot of sandy beaches, too, along its along its shore as well, so I'd really love to get out there, hopefully this summer I can get out there. Um, Lake Superior, definitely one of my favorites, but I really like, there's a private lake uh, that my brother has, he lives on, and it's just like him and maybe three or four other residents on this lake, so it's very small and secluded, and nobody has boats or anything like that, so if I go on there, I know I have that lake all to myself, and I love the whole peace and tranquility of just kind of you know, solitude of being on the lake and not having to see all these pontoon boats buzz by and, <laughs> and I have all this you know nature to take in all to myself. I'm selfish like that, but you know, that's, that's one cool. of my that's one of my happy places I like to be. Yeah, is it, it so it must be um no no boat lake, no motor lake? It there's no access. There's no boat Oh access, I see. So. Yeah. I mean, Perfect. There's one of the, his neighbors has a pontoon, and I've never seen him take it out. So yeah, nice. That's awesome. But um, yeah, there's tons of lakes to frequent around me. Um, I live in you know the town Forest Lake, and there's you know, a lake called Forest Lake. And, mm-hmm. uh, they call it three lakes because it's technically just like a big lake next to a little lake next to even a little lake. So it's all one big lake. Like I said, very popular recreational. You know, boating type of stuff. So if you're paddling on it, you're not going to be alone, which you know is fine for some people. But for me, I like the I like being by myself. Yeah, you do a lot of paddling on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't recommend it if you're just starting out, obviously, because you want kind of you know body with you. I'm to the point where I can kind of venture out if you on my own and feel confident and safe. So. Yeah, right. That's cool. And then you take a lot of cool photos. You've got, uh, I believe you have a drone, right? I do. Um, I do have a drone. Actually, I have a little story that I'll probably share with you. So I, I, I received the drone last Christmas. It was a Christmas gift. And um, obviously, you know, it's wintertime, so I'm not going to get to chance to really use it here in the Midwest because all the damn lights are closed over until, you know. <laughs> yeah. Late March. Um, so I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, okay, well, if I get a wetsuit, a really thick wetsuit, Lake Superior's not froze over yet. It could freeze over in February, but I have an opportunity to go out there. So I went out there and actually used my drone for the first time and got some pretty cool footage and stuff uh, with it. It was really fun to use. Um, super easy. You know, you can just, it's, a, it's a Mavic Mini. And you just essentially press a button, and it goes in a circle and records you and does all this stuff hands-free. I'm like, this is perfect for me. And by then, you know, that uh, experience comes and goes, and February hits, and everything freezes over. We had, like, this massive 
cold freeze in February that just was brutal for two weeks and like spearing up freezing. And within you know, a couple about a month, six weeks, eight weeks later, you know, stuff starts lighting up again. I'm like, well, okay, maybe I can go on the river because, you know, that's starting to open up. So I go on the St. Croix River, which is, you know, it's the border of Minnesota and Wisconsin. It's a town called Stillwater. Um, and I tried it out over there, and it was a really good experience. Um, I was starting to get more and more confident with the drone. And I'm like, okay, well, I know the spear is open. I'm going to take this sucker up there and, you know, give it a rip up there. And it was like the next day, I think, when I went up there. And getting all this great footage. I had not downloaded all my footage yet from the Stillwater trip. And I got all this footage from Lake Superior, and I'm like, okay, it's time to bring the drone in, and I'm going to land it, and I'm not really sure what I'm doing, and it just slips off the bow of my board and sinks into oblivion, like, oh, no. into the murky, murky water of Lake Superior. <laughs> oh, so, no! <laughs> there went my drone, there went all that footage that I'd taken, and yeah, it's still there. It's still <laughs> there? Oh, no! I have a pretty good idea of where it is, but uh, can you I have get to wait it for the water? I think I can because it's probably in like maybe four feet of water, and the water's clear at various times. You know, if there's not a storm or anything like that, the sand settles, mm-hmm. and it's just like going to be sitting on top of the sandbar. So I, I went and purchased a new drone right away. I'm like, I, I, I need this in my life. I need this it's a drone. <laughs> So I went and bought a new one, and this time I'm like, okay, we got to have a plan B because I'm not going to be landing on my board anymore. It's, I can't just shovel out 250 bucks every time I really drone. It's stupid. So I did actually go and buy a new one, and I found this flotation device. So this is my drone. Oh, wow. And it's kind of like one of those little helicopters that you see take off from, like, you know. Yeah. Lakes. So essentially you just set this in the water like so. And it lifts off and can land right on the water. So you don't have to worry oh about my it gosh. slipping off of your, your paddleboard anymore. So I've been utilizing that. The weather's been crappy lately. It's been rainy, so I haven't got a chance to really dig into its full potential. But yeah, I'm hoping to go and find my old drone because I do have an insurance policy. If I find it, I can send it back for 40 bucks and they'll send me a new one. So I can at least have two drones. You'll have two drones. Eventually. <laughs> Potentially get back my uh, my footage, which is more important to me, honestly. Is that one a Maverick too that you have? It's a it's a Mavic Mini two. Okay. Or one one the one. first one the first one. First one. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. You put those you put those floaties on there. It was like twenty bucks on Amazon, so I'm not an Amazon affiliate or anything like that. I'm not promoting <laughs> a product, but yeah, just if you have a drone and you want to do water type of footage, go buy that worth it yeah well i have the um the three the phantom three so i've had mine Mm -hmm. for six years now i think and i I am still eerie about the water but i fly it i fly it over the water and i do stuff with it but you know what um i have two different batteries uh one's the it it came with and the other one is more or less like an aftermarket uh cheaper uh battery but it was just kind of like my backup and actually, they it works great, just as good as the other one. But you know what? I noticed that last fall I was doing some sunset footage, and I thought I want to get down there and beach and you know get this drone going and everything. Get there, put it up, take it right over the lake just a little bit, and all of a sudden it, the signal came back at me like weak signal, you know, warning or whatever she said. And I, I was like, what? And and I know it has the return to home. And supposedly it's supposed to do that if uh, there is some sort of like error or whatever. But it acted like it was going to land right in the lake. It was like coming in for landing and it wasn't coming to me. It was like beep, beep, beep going down. And I pulled back on the throttle as fast as I could to get it back to me. And I was so nervous after that then, back in the fall. And then uh, I guess how I overcame that a little bit was Lake Froze. 
and there was some skaters and stuff. And so I had it out over the lake then and it, you know, it's open. So there's no, cause I was thinking it was an interference or something like, uh, you know, a signals or something, um, wires, I don't know, and some kind of interference. And then, uh, I had it out on the frozen lake and it was totally fine. And I, it wasn't completely freezing. So I don't, you know, it was, it just was fine. And then all of a sudden it did it again just recently. And I think it's the battery. I think the battery, the original battery is getting too old for it. I've, I've lost signal before too. So, um, what I have to do is essentially just power down the remote and it just, you know, the, the aircraft will just hover in place until it comes back on and then I'll just reconnect it and then I can go again. But I've had that happen too. It's like, you know, I lose signal doing whatever I'm doing. I'm like, oh, this is annoying. But it's probably because I'm doing it all over water, you know, <laughs> there's no land yeah. features. Are you but really yeah, into it, photography and stuff? No, I'm not a photographer in any stretch of imagination. Well, you have you have like the really cool filters on your Instagram posts and <laughs> stuff, like Yeah, that's all by design. I guess I feel like there's so the whole Instagram paddleboarding thing I feel is like really saturated. And there's a lot of people doing it. And for me, you know, starting out it was like I got to find something to do to stand out somehow. Otherwise, I'm just going to be another face in the crowd. Um, so I kind of started combining, you know, okay, well, I like paddleboarding, I like 1980s stuff. Uh, let's start combining 1980s and paddleboarding, and that'll be my gimmick, you know. <laughs> I think when I first started out, I was like, sup, retro, 8-4, or something <laughs> stupid like that. I, I, I changed it, obviously. You changed it. it. It was silly. Um, so, yeah, it was almost like a wrestling gimmick at that point. So, um, <laughs> and if you look, if you go far back to like last summer, you'll see a lot more of that like filter color, vapor wave is the aesthetic. But, um, vapor the wave. Yeah. Vapor wave, yeah. <laughs> That's what it's called? Vapor wave? Yeah, if you Google vapor wave, it's like associated to, it's an art form that's like, inspired by 1980s and it eventually migrated to music so it's like a lot of synthesizer type of it's called chill wave or paper wave or synth wave is the main genre in any sense case i kind of wanted to stand out by incorporating these aspects into some of the photography that i was doing and it was a learning curve you know as all things trying to find my way Figure out what worked for me. Eventually, I think I feel pretty confident where I need to be now is where I am. So versus where I first started out, like I started out last summer. I think doing this is kind of a hobby, and it just kind of started growing and growing and growing. You know, because finding out that there's a whole community of followers out there. You know, we need to be supportive of one another and whatnot. And it's a great community to be a part of. And yeah. Then I decided, you know, okay, well. I'm going to do this paddleboarding thing. I also want to keep up on my writing skills because, you know, college and stuff like that. I have um, various degrees, one of which is musicology. I'm kind of done doing music stuff, but I like writing. Uh, let's do a blog about paddleboarding. So the whole thing was like a big build, I guess, just kind of gaining followers and gaining this audience um, of sorts, building towards this blog. And I finally launched it back in February. So it's just kind of in its infancy. It's not really kind of super taking off. I mean, it's going to be a slow grind, just like the Instagram build was. And I'm okay with that. It's, it's I'm not you know, monetizing it in any way at the moment. And it's just all about you know connecting people, kind of educating, and giving insight about paddleboarding, especially if you're in the Midwest. And eventually, I'd like to start you know incorporating a more a community-based type of uh, thing for the Midwest. Right now I'm kind of global and involved, I feel, with the followers and stuff on Instagram, so that's why you see these interviews and whatnot that I'm doing. It's people scattered around the, the globe, essentially. Oh, that's awesome. That's really great. Uh, who, how, um, who have you had on your blog? Oh, I've had a, 
few people. I, my first interview was actually um, Nozu. Uh, I interviewed Eric, who launched his product. It's, just, it's funny. We, we launched, I launched my blog, and he launched his product line of like, paddleboard straps yeah. um, on February 14th, which is Valentine's Day, so the same day. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't planned at all. It was just like a coincidence. Yeah. But, yeah. He was my first guest, and I had uh, uh, this Bassam. He's out in California, so he's like open ocean vibes, I believe is what he goes by on Instagram. He goes out paddleboarding in, you know, on the Pacific over there, and he counts dolphins, whales, and sunfish, and all these fantastic creatures that, you know, you or I have no chance of seeing here in the little Midwest right. region. Um, yeah, and then I just interviewed a... Uh, Kristen, her name is, or she goes by Norwegian Subgirl. Uh, she's in Norway. Uh, I have to publish hers. I'm hoping by from uh, just been swamped with work, but I'm hoping to get hers. And then my previous guest, uh, Erin, up in Manitoba, Canada. So she's just like five hours. I guess Winnipeg is like five hours from me, and it's like a, you know, a two-day train ride to get to Churchill and Hudson Bay. So she runs a paddleboard outfit up, or a tour out there where she you can go paddleboarding with beluga whales, and just a once in a lifetime experience. I did a training with her, like. So you actually know her? Yeah, in San Diego. Yeah, I met her, and she was talking about it then. You know, at the training, I was like, "What? That's so She's cool." Amazing. She's so funny too. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just a great person to be around. You know. Yeah, I know. I, that's what I, I remember. And it was just like, wow, that's so far away, like from, you know, where I live, you know, not not San Diego, but, you know, from Michigan. And they were talking about how the wildlife and stuff like that there. And it was just amazing because it's like things you don't really see here. Exactly. Like polar bears and, right. and, and the northern lights all the yeah. time, any time of the day or any year. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and I, I want to also mention, I did, uh, uh, I want to get this right, maybe? So Joe and Sophie, they're French Canadians in Quebec, and they do all these, like, acro yoga poses. Oh, wow. Whatnot, on the paddleboarding. Um, well, they paddleboard, so, like, you know, they're standing on top of each other, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> holding each other on the paddleboard, so it's crazy <laughs> what they're doing. Yeah. Actually. It's insane. I can't even imagine pulling that off. But <laughs> yeah, uh, they they were a treat to interview. So yeah, I'd, um, I feel like the interviews are going to be slowing down here as the summer uh, starts opening back up. But the idea is just to start connecting people. You know, yeah. People, hey, this person is out here doing this. You should check it. Yeah, yeah. I no, that's great. I love it. Um, you know, and that's sort of um how I, you know, with this podcast, but um you know, I've had other people on too that are either yoga or fitness or just entrepreneurial based. So, uh, but it's such a lifestyle, you know, it's kind of like what you're, you're, you know, talking about and, and, you know, and how people take it on and everybody's different and it's just, it's just so cool to hear, you know, yeah. it's more Absolutely. than just paddle, it's more than just paddleboarding, you know? Yeah. For some people, it's just like, it's a passion. Yeah. I feel like once, if you haven't tried paddleboarding, I'd re- obviously recommend trying it. But I feel like if you tried it and you're just out there in the water and just kind of doing your thing and paddling along, and I feel like you're just going to get addicted. Yeah. You know, I mean, it re- that's, I feel like, so before, you know, last year, I was kind of casual paddleboarder. I wasn't like obsessed with it. Like, and that all came about with the pandemic. Like, we can't go outside because it's February, and, you know, around here, you're freezing your butt off in February. Mm-hmm. So, you know, March hits, and then, you know, everything shuts down. You can't go anywhere. And by the end of March, you know, things start warming up, and by April, you know, the lakes start melting. Ice starts, starts melting off the lakes, and you're like, well, I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I can't see anybody. So, you know, it's, 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 so that's how I kind of started 
getting more exhausted. I have more time on my hands for it. And the reason being, you know, I couldn't do anything else. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I feel like, you know, now it's going to be a test because as things are starting to loosen up here, of whether I'm going to keep my schedule accountability and stuff incorporated with you know, more opportunity to do other things. It's going to be a balance, I feel. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, you'll have uh, more times to go to go out, catch yeah, a sunset, catch up, see friends. Yeah, because you know, vaccines are getting uh, more and more out there. I'm fully vaccinated. A lot of my friends are fully vaccinated, so it's hanging out more. We'll see how things go. Right. Yeah. But another thing that was going to, you know, affect my uh, schedule, you know, as this stuff rolls out. Things start loosening up. I was hoping to travel more. You know, I had planned on going around all the Great Lakes this year. I don't think that's going to happen. Canada right now still has border restrictions in place, and it doesn't look like it's going to ease up anytime soon. So I might have to just settle for going around, you know, like Michigan or something like that. And around the South Shore or Superior, kind of you know, fill in the gaps as, you know, maybe next year. Yeah, is that, is that your... Is that your bucket list paddle to do the Great Lakes? Yeah, I've gone. I've done a mini Great Lakes tour. I didn't go around the whole full circle, but I started in Cleveland on oh. Lake Erie and kind of went to Niagara Falls, went up to Toronto, then went around the big side of Huron. Yeah. Came down to, you know, the Mackinac Bridge and then went down to, did I go around Michigan? A little bit of Michigan, not much at all. And then South Shore Superior. So it was kind of a mini little road trip. I wanted to do a big one. I don't know if I'm going to have time this year. So I was kind of thinking about maybe breaking it up. Or do like, you know, two, I'll do like Superior and Michigan one year, and then I'll do the rest another year or something like that. But I do got a bucket list going on. You know, talking to Aaron and Aaron Scott. Yeah, right. Yeah, we want to have the opportunity to do that. So, and that's like, you know, convenient for me because it's Winnipeg's a five-hour drive. And yeah, a two-hour train ride, or you know, there are ways of getting over there and charter flights. I have to look into it, but you know that's an opportunity that I can see happening maybe next year. Yeah. And obviously, you see all the beautiful photos of Horseshoe Bend and you know the Grand Canyon and stuff like that. I want to try that. Yeah. I want to redeem myself and go back to Hawaii and try that. <laughs> Also, going back to like losing my or falling off my board, that story in Illinois, I kind of want to go back to my place and try to see if I can find my phone. Because I lost my phone on the phone and uh, my Ray Ban sunglasses. So they were prescription. So you have some things to collect here. I know. I'm (laughs) terrible. I lose so much shit. But inexpensive stuff, too. Yeah. A drone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna lose my car keys the next thing or something. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> so you you lost your phone and your Ray-Ban sunglasses. Yeah, it was a very expensive little boo-boo falling off my paddleboard. Uh, so I had my phone in a case, like a floatable case. Yeah. I bought on Amazon, and I was like, I didn't test it out. I just assumed it would do what I bought it for and it didn't it sunk right to the bottom so it's sealed up you know in a leak proof case <laughs> just sitting there at the bottom of a lake somewhere so maybe i can find it maybe not i feel i can find my drone i'm gonna try to do that maybe next month so. yeah the water's the water's clear right like i mean i know you're saying about like sand and stuff like that but lake superior is pretty known for being clear you can, um, I can actually take my other drone, and if the water's, you know, not stirred up from a storm or anything, yeah, go along the lake shore until I find it, because you know, it's going to stand out. It's a light gray color against, you know, a sand, it's a sandy bottom. So. Yeah, it's, uh, Lake Superior is so funny. It's like, where are your, I'm trying to imagine, like, where you're at, like, you said like a shipping type of channel. 
right? The St. Louis River flows into the start of Lake Superior. Okay. And that's where um, it's, you know, it, it's, they, there's multiple shipping docks along Duluth and Superior and then up the shore a little bit. There's two harbors. So there's a bunch of, like, you know, docks or harbors for these, these big giant boats. You know? And in Minnesota, there's a lot of iron ore mines and stuff. So that's how a lot of that gets transported in that, down the Great Lakes chain. Okay. So, um, and trains, you know, coming from Canada and stuff, they you know, dump everything into the roof and then it gets you know, put on the boat and sent off on its way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Lake Spears, it, it can turn deadly in a moment. There's, I, have, I have a map and it shows like all the shipwrecks and stuff that have happened, you know, since like the, yeah. and there's like 300 or 400, some crazy number. Yeah. Yeah. The, the water, the water temp is always cold. It's always, even in the summer, it's just on really hot days where it's like 100 degrees, it's nice. You can just go to the beach and go into the lake. Yeah. The lake's freezing cold, so. <laughs> so freezing cold in that spot too, huh? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's You can't get away. Yeah. Cold over here. I'm familiar with the, of course, the Upper Peninsula part of Michigan and um, pictured rocks and... Uh, I kayaked that before and it's just such big water. It's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. I, I mean, especially with that rock, the rock formations, how uh, the waves come from the boats that are doing like some of the tour, tour boats for um, the pictured rocks. And then people that are kayaking, they're closer to the rock formation. So the waves just bounce off the wall and come back at you, you know, and that's the first time I ever saw kayaking. Oh, you know, my, long time ago I think I was like 15 mm-hmm. or 16 years old and I was I think that's what caught my eye about paddling in general you know the very first uh glimpse of sea kayaks <laughs> yeah and I mean it, those are just the boats that you saw imagine the waves that are produced from like those big shipping boats yeah I've right them, I've, I've gotten messed up <laughs> because like we were just swimming you know on the shoreline and it was kind of rocky-ish and all of a sudden, we were, we were just standing there, you know, minding our own business. And all of a sudden, these waves come in, and we just couldn't get out of them. We were just getting rocked back and forth on the shoreline. We were like, oh, no, what's happening? And, yeah, it was, it's crazy. Uh, I think down in, like, I saw in the Gulf of Mexico, people will surf those, like, actually take a surfboard. You know? Yeah. They surf on the wake from those. Yeah. yeah. I've seen, I've seen some videos like that on on YouTube that they, they chase, chase either some sort of, um, a, a ferry. I've seen that one out, out East on, um, mm-hmm. New Jersey. And then, yeah, like Texas, those barges that, uh, are out there like corporate Corpus Christi, uh, area out there. Mm-hmm. So you're probably aware that there's like a surfing community in the Great Lakes as well. Yes. Yes. That's insane. I can't believe they do that. Like you see the the dudes with the beards, and it's just pure icicles, and it's like ah, that's not for me. I could not. I I can't do that one either. Um, I <laughs> I love to watch surfing, you know, and I've 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 tried surfing. I've had some lessons in surfing, but of course, like you said, where we live, you don't really get to do that often. But they're doing it in the cold, and I'm like, no, I'm that's when I draw the line. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I so appreciate their their effort and you know their, their what they do, and I love watching it. But it looks like they're in the Antarctic. Yeah, they're a different breed. That's for certain. <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> that water that that's coming in, it's so big and it's cold, and they're by the lighthouses and the um. You see the icicles off of it, and you just know how cold <laughs> it really is. It's so crazy. So, yeah, you wouldn't do that either, huh? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> I'll do anything once, but, like, you'd have to really twist my arm to do it. The way I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned you were you do some music and, and, and stuff, so you're writing. You were, Do you write some music? Yeah, so, I mean, I came in a totally different place than what I thought I was going to be in, but I started out... Uh, as a music major, so I actually went to the University of 
Wisconsin Superior, which is where I was talking about, where I like to go paddleboarding and stuff like that. And that's where I kind of fell in love with the Great Lakes, honestly. It's just my happy place. I love going there so much. But that's where I went to college. I went, uh, I got a performance degree in classical guitar as my bachelor's. And while I was there, I kind of discovered all kinds of different stuff. I like conducting, I discovered composition, uh, research writing, you know, all of these stuff, these skills that I started picking up there. And I just kind of, I don't know, I spent like four years in limbo trying to get into grad school. I finally got into one and got accepted in 2016. So the summer, the semester after the whole, I lost my phone and almost died, I started grad school and um, got accepted for actually two masters. I went in for musicology as my primary and then I got orchestral conducting uh, as my secondary master. Walked out of there in two years with my two masters. I actually got like not patting myself on the back by any means, but I'm trying to set some a point up for my next thing. But I actually walked out of there with uh, a 4.0 in peer-reviewed published research. Like, I have a paper that's in a book that you know students use to do research and stuff like that. Um, and I legitimately thought, okay, you know, I built myself up got to this point and I'm going to go on to a doctorate program and I really want to go to the Minneapolis U because I wanted to go there because I was living in South Dakota at the time so I'm separated from my wife my wife has a career here in you know Minneapolis area still and I'm not going to ask her to give up her job to come up so I can go to school that's stupid um so we're living long distance for two years and I'm like well okay so I'm for the doctorate programs and I'm going to make the U my top priority I want to get in there feel like I got a chance to get into it for the musicology department. And if I did not get in, um, I was like one of the four candidates or whatever. And by then, the writing was starting to become apparent that was on the wall. I just hadn't seen it really up until that point. Because like when you get to that point, it's like when you're in the undergrad and even at the master's level, it's what the university can do for you know, the students to help hone their craft and uh, and it doesn't matter what what field you're in they're gonna they're gonna make the best effort to make you grow when you get to the doctorate level it's like what you can bring to that department and what i kind of found out was like okay my research interests which are the classical guitar and contemporary are not really hot button topics you know that you see today like um, suffrage is a very um, popular uh, thing to do research writing on. So they're essentially handpicking the candidates based on you know what's trendy-ish at the time, I guess, for that respect. So I decided, okay, I'm going to apply one more time. I'm going to retweak a bunch of crap, and I didn't get any. I even expanded out. I decided, you know, enough's enough. I've chased this pipe dream for seven years now, including the four years that I sat on the shelf and you know, given all of this stuff to music and there's really nothing to show for it. Because realistically, even obtaining a bachelor's and two master's degrees, I can't get a job unless I have a doctorate. My whole, you know, passion was to teach. I wanted to teach music history to kids who wanted to be there to learn music history. I didn't want to do like a public school band teacher type of gig. They're just there for the credit or whatever. And potentially necessarily want to be there. Not my thing. It's for other people. I'm not crapping on that. But uh, I wanted to do the teaching stuff, and it just never came to fruition. Even getting a doctorate, you know, spending three to five years doing that, you enter a almost non-existent job market. Like I. I have a best, my best friend right now. Him and his wife have doctorates in anthropology. They both graduated from Minneapolis. And he teaches, they both live in Kazakhstan. That's the only place he could really get a job. He looks constant. He's been there for five years and he can't like find a job in the right place. And I look just about every week on the job postings and stuff for stuff I'm qualified for. And there's never anything. So it's like, I wow. can do it for Wow, it's almost like a dying, like a dying art in a way. Like, 
I, I don't. It's, it's really competitive. And yeah. A lot of politics involved. So it's just not for me anymore. Yeah. I don't have that drive. You know, I have a family. Like, I'm not, if I didn't have a family or anything like that, I would probably be pretty cutthroat about it. But I got to take care of my life kid. So you know, it's sort of making the best out of my opportunities. Right. That I had in front of me versus, you know, continuing down this path that potentially is going to lead to that. And who knows, something might pop up. You know, I have the qualifications to teach at a college, right? But they have the mindset that if you don't have a doctorate, you're not qualified. So what do you do? <laughs> mm. But going back on what you said, because I just gave you a very long, elaborate explanation of this, but uh, I do compose music. Um, and even going back further to the, the vaporwave, synthwave, yeah. I actually write uh, uh, synthwave music. So I'm hoping to have an album out, like a 40-minute EP out by the fall time. We'll see. But cool. that's the project I'm currently working on, aside from all the paddleboarding stuff. So I got a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, you do. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know but... <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, though. I mean... Good for you, you know, doing um, different things and finding out like ways to, you know, sprinkle in the uh, even the like the photo filter and all of that. That's cool. You know, it's a cool story. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so. Let's see. If you I'm going to ask you a, a quite an Earth Day kind of question because it's Earth Week. Earth Day's Thursday. Is it? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> What's that? I don't. I don't know. It's four twenty, so we're supposed to be smoking weed or something today, right? <laughs> I don't know what day is today, honestly. Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> You're just in the moment, huh? <laughs> exactly. I'm just trying to keep my head above the water. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike the drone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, which is rest in peace. <laughs> did the drone have a name? Uh, if it did, it would probably be unlucky or something. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, it's good to have a sense of humor. I mean, unfortunately, you know, things just fall in the water and it just, you know, it 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 happens, right? You didn't, you didn't mean yeah. for it to happen or anything like that. I mean, if you were there, you would have laughed. It was such a pathetic sight because I it slipped <laughs> off and I saw it going down. And I went, no, and I dove for it and I couldn't get it. My hand just got soaked and it was so cold. And I'm like, no. Oh my god. And then I just laughed and I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. <sighs> and then immediately I was like, I can get it back because I hadn't thought about it. And I like dipped my paddle down. And I'm like, okay, it's about four feet deep. The water's really cold. I don't really have my wetsuit, and probably not worth it. So I'll come back. You might need. You might need I'll make your... this a story of redemption. Yeah, you should. It'd be a good a good Instagram thing. Put uh, get some snorkel uh, gear. Oh yeah, you got it. A mask and uh, the wetsuit. Mask up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> no, I was gonna ask, how are like how are your lakes as far as just um, you know, vis vis visual pollution, uh, litter or trash, whatever. It's not as bad as you think. Um, especially, you're gonna find that more in the more uh, urbanized, you know, communities. And I was on I was on one of the more popular lakes in Minneapolis uh, last fall. And it's called uh, or something. They renamed it. It was formerly Lake Calhoun, and you can see the skyline of Minneapolis and all that stuff. Okay. Um, I didn't notice any trash. They did. They do. We do a pretty good job of you know picking up stuff. But once you get into the more rural areas, you start seeing the beer cans on the side of roads. And whatnot. You know, typically. Okay. Lake's responsibility. Um, we were theorized. I had a theory that you know the beer cans that you're going to see on the trash or on the side of the road are mostly going to be Bud Light or Bush Light. And she was like, yep, you're right. Yeah. I called it. But uh, as far as, like, the lakes and pollution goes, you know, you're going to see that anywhere. I feel like it's not as bad on our end of the spectrum, but 
maybe I'm a little biased when I say that too, because you know, Minnesota and I don't want to tarnish our good reputation and yeah. stuff like that. But honestly, I mean, you'll see it in rivers, obviously. I don't go in the river that much because I don't trust rivers. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as like cleanups and stuff like that, no, I don't really know anybody. Honestly, I'm like, I feel like I'm the lone wolf. In Minnesota, I don't know anybody that paddleboards around here. Maybe like a handful of people. Really? But we're pretty few and far between in this area. That's how, the reason why I wanted to start this whole paddleboarding blog and start creating a community and stuff. Because you don't see that around here. You see that in like the UK. And you look at over in Europe and Britain. There's yeah. like a ton of people that paddle together. And it's like, holy cow, this community is great. I want that. I'm really envious of that. But yeah. I don't have it. So I'm trying to build it. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I... We, we got way off topic. Uh... No? <laughs> <laughs> We're all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I do it. No, that's, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I, I, would, I, I would agree the paddleboarding um, community, especially locally for you, we, it's probably about the same for us. I know it's getting a little – It's I've seen it grow. It's getting – it's getting there, you know, and, um, I think that, uh, you know, the more you do it, the more you talk about it or post on it and it, it'll just happen. You know, that's what I think. Cause I, like I said, I, I saw paddleboarding first in Hawaii too. And, um, you know, besides the whole kayaking thing, cause I think that was much more popular around here versus paddleboarding. And then, when I went to Hawaii, I, I saw it there. I didn't do it. I, I, I wasn't sure what it was even called, really. Uh, I just saw them out paddling, doing something. <laughs> they weren't surfing. And I knew the difference for, of, of surfing, obviously. And uh, mm-hmm. I came home, and I just thought that I that was a very Hawaii, maybe California type of thing. And never saw it again here. I had my own kayak that I would go out, out on. Uh, then you know, many years later, uh, I'm on the lake here, uh, where I live now in Sylvan Lake and, uh, a couple shops out, outdoor shops, not REI, but some smaller ones had some boards and stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm starting to put two and two together. I was like, yeah, remember when you saw that in Hawaii, like (laughs) 10 years ago, Uh, I think it might be making its way here. And then I, I became obsessed just, you know, looking <laughs> on the internet when started seeing more, bo- more, more boards pop up. And then I would just research that company and look at it and stuff. And I'm like, wow, yeah, I think it's actually a, you could do this here, like on the lake. It doesn't have to be an ocean thing. Yeah. You're like 10 years behind, like <laughs> Southeast, like. Asian countries that have like just starting to get stuck from the eighties, you know. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and it's been pretty wild to see how many um even Canadians are super into it and you know, they don't they don't have the beauty of uh weather all year around like us too. So it's... Oh no, they got it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So there, there are people waiting for probably another two months before they can start. You know, I know, right? I I I say that, and people are like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah." I mean, I've I've never been able to hold classes at, at least until summer solstice, maybe the week before, which is end of June. Hmm. Why is that? <laughs> it's just cold. <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> People don't want to go out in the cold. They want, they want that water to be warm. <laughs> Just don't, don't fall in. Don't fall in. in. Simple. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I'm, I'm going to have you come out for uh, to help me with some classes. <laughs> I would come in with that. <laughs> you don't like it, you can leave. That's what I'm going to say. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. Classes start in March. Classes start in March here, okay? <laughs> I'm already getting anxious, and it's, it's 420. 420. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's been so fun having you on and sharing just your 
uh, passion and all your your Instagram posting and we're getting the behind the scenes. Yeah, revealing, but not revealing too much. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity. I really had a great time. Yeah, sweet. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. And thank you, Michael, for sharing your paddleboard stories and inspiring others to get out there and join in the sport. Uh, I really appreciate you being here. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, Go check out Michael's blog. It's MidwestPaddling.com. And I'm Misty with uh, the show Wave On here in Sylvan Lake, Michigan. And thanks for tuning in. We got episode 20 under the belt. So we got some more paddlers coming up in the next few weeks. So stay tuned.